0: Welcome to series two of Living Adventurously. I really hope you've enjoyed cycling around Yorkshire almost as much as I did. It's been a brilliant experience. As of today, this podcast has had 180,000 downloads with a steady two and a half thousand of you listening to each episode in its first week of release. Now, if even 10% of you would be so kind as to Pause this play right now and go rate and review Living Adventurously in your podcast app. That would genuinely help me and help the podcast a lot. Even better, perhaps, take a quick screenshot of your photo right now. Go on, now, right now, (laughs) and send it to a few friends who might enjoy trying this podcast series. I'd really, really love it if you could help me spread the word. Thank you, everyone for listening along as I cycled around Yorkshire. It's been an absolute joy. Now it's time for series two. (laughs) First though, if you've enjoyed that deck of question cards that I used in many of the episodes, there's some good news. You can now give the questions a try yourself because I've turned the questions from the cards into a notebook to help you try to live more adventurously every day, just like my podcast guests. There's loads of space in the notebook to pause, ride, plan and begin. And it's cheap as chips as well. Search on Amazon for a notebook for living adventurously, or you can find it on my website too. Whilst I'm in my Elon Musk entrepreneur super hustle mode, um, I've decided to experiment for series two We're trying to get a bunch of micro sponsors i suppose to cover the costs of the individual episodes of each of the podcasts. so this can also though be a chance for me to try and help give a shout out to small brands or organizations whose work i love and who i reckon will chime with this audience so if you're part of a brand or an organization you're interested in joining in visit alice slash podcasts and uh, get in touch with me from there Right. Speaking of which, today's episode is sponsored by the Yorkshire Dales Millennium Trust. <laughs> Sorry, that's probably not the best accent for that. So today's episode, no, also terrible. <laughs> um, hmm, these might these might be just a little teething problems here with these uh, sponsor things. But let me give it a go because actually today's um, charity is actually a cause close to my heart, one that I'm a big fan of. Um, Today's episode is sponsored by the Yorkshire Dales Millennium Trust, which is a small charity doing big things. The Yorkshire Dales Millennium Trust, they're running a campaign called Together for Trees. And the aim is to plant 100,000 broadleaf trees across the Yorkshire Dales to help counter the actions of climate change, to provide a living space for wildlife, as well as a beautiful landscape for leisure recreation and well-being. And by dedicating a tree, you can help transform the landscape and fight the climate crisis. So if you'd like to get involved and support the campaign today, just head to ydmt.org to find out more. Right, series two, drum roll. (laughs) I'd been really looking forward to starting series two of my podcast To getting back out onto my bike, heading to somewhere new and meeting more fascinating, ordinary people living extraordinary lives. But, well, as we all know, 2020 got in the way, spoiled everything, and the world went into lockdown. So I've had to compromise, missing out on the joys of meeting people face to face in their homes, having an adventure. And instead, I've had to call them up from my shed where I'm recording this right now. So in the next episodes, I apologize for the familiar or the now familiar Zoom call irritations that pop up occasionally, glitchy audio, people talking over each other, uh, no one wearing trousers, (laughs) that sort of thing. But I hope that you'll forgive that because I'm gonna have some brilliant conversations with some really interesting people. Um, In this series, I think it's always good to put a constraint on something or to tighten, tighten up what you're looking for. So what I really wanted to do here was to talk to people who were living adventurously with purpose. So I jotted down a list of the things I really care deeply about and which also overlap my traditional stomping grounds of adventure and the outdoors. So things like um, protecting wild places, trees, rivers, wildlife, um, young people and adventure. Um, adventure, disability, and diversity, Um, outdoor fitness, local adventure, adventure without flying, um, urban green spaces, um, and outdoor brands, sustainability, and activism. Stuff like that. And then once I had my list, I set out to try to find good people to talk to. And, uh, well, we've got a cracker to start off series two. Danny Bent. Danny in his little red shorts was voted one of the happiest people one of the 100 <laughs> reverse Danny Bent was voted one of the 100 happiest people in the UK and one of the 50 most inspirational people in London Danny is an award-winning author and journalist a Guinness world record holder and a celebrated adventurer and community leader and what Danny does is he helps people who feel chained by life to break free come together and realize that they are capable of doing incredible things, creating happier lives, more powerful leaders, and encouraging all of the artists of life to get out there and create. Danny wears very short shorts, he makes his own yogurt, and he enjoys jumping into frozen lakes. (laughs) Is this really a man I want to be seeking wisdom from? Let's find out. So my first question, um, back when you saw, you wanted to go deep, so I'm going to go deep straight away. Is that good? Yeah, let's go. Let's go. Okay. When you saw on TV the the terrible bombing at the Boston Marathon in 2013, yep. I think, yep. um, why didn't you do what the rest of us do, which is um, put out a sympathetic tweet and then just get on with the rest of your life? Wow. Great.
1: That's a good starting <laughs> question. Okay. <laughs> You wanted to go, I wanted to go deep. We've just hit it
0: right. So I guess <laughs> yeah.
1: there's a um, there's a little bit of history behind that, and that is that like my both my parents are um, very keen runners, and that kind of enthusiasm rubs off onto onto the kids, doesn't it? As a general rule, and um, and and running has been that running community has kind of been the place where you find uh, well, it's been your therapy, your kind of meditation, the place where you kind of solve the problems in your life and everything like this. But it's also been that place where I've found friendship, love, and you know, it's this thing that holds my whole family together. Like, how, how many other people go home for Christmas and they're super excited to go for a run with their mum and dad and their niece and nephew and all this sort of stuff? Do you, Do you still do that now? Yeah, yeah. That's well, I mean, amazing. We, do, we do that all the time, and I mean, they're they're, they're, they're my best mates, my mum and dad, as well as um, being the parents
0: that mm-hmm. kind of tell you off for doing silly things. Wow. But um, and I think uh, uh, he- uh, at what age were you faster than your dad? I'm asking for a friend. <laughs> yeah, um, I think it got because pre- I I think he's a much more like kind of long
1: distance runner, and I was more of a sprinter. So I'm pr- I'm pretty sure- he he might argue with this when he's listening, but I I think it was about 12 or 13 to be honest.
0: Oh gosh, you yeah, haven't got I, long now. <laughs> yeah, my. One of my goals to try and keep myself fit and not because I've got a massive chip on my shoulder is I'll be fifty when my son is eighteen, and I have a plan to whoop him then. Do you think I've got no chance? I mean, it all does depend. What
1: what kind of what kind of race are you entering? I think you <laughs> I, you, you want to make it some sort of like uh, ultra distance thing, and that, that that will give you kind of the best chance probably.
0: Yeah, I think that has always been my only hope. If whatever distance he beats me over, I'll just double it till eventually I can crush his young <laughs> yeah. hopes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, sorry, I interrupted you. So we're talking about the the lead up to the, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, the, yeah. So, the Boston. I mean, really, what I was just saying is that running has been such an
1: important part of my life and um and provided me with, given so much to me. And then you just see this, you know, one of the pinnacles of all, all races. And these people who have been striving for months, uh, you know, potentially years to qualify for the race and they're getting to that point of the race where they're going to throw their hands in the air and smile for the finish line camera. And then suddenly a bomb goes off and, you know, they're having their legs blown to pieces or, you know, the supporters that are there, like that could have been me supporting my parents. It could be my parents supporting me, you know, you know, and, and, and so how many, so many friends that you supported or have supported you in the past. And, um, it just really touched on a such a strong nerve. And I just thought we have to we have to do something about it. Um, and, and what that meant didn't really know. And, to, and just then slowly this idea came that we could do a, put an event on, we could try and um, raise some money, show our, show our support from over the pond. You know, it's, it's not, um, it, it, us being here, it wasn't as personal as for those people there. And they were so embedded in the, the, the gory images and the explosions and the smoke and everything like that. Whereas I think for us guys, we're just that little bit further away and we're able to think with a kind of a broader mind and a bigger picture and, um, and came up with one run for Boston. And um, I guess the rest is history. But
0: yeah. So you, you decided to put on a, a relay race running right the way across America from yeah. LA to Boston. Yeah. Um, but which is a great idea, um, and yet you say uh, we had no idea how to do it, and my organisational skills are like a goldfish. So was this a case of biting off more than you can chew? I don't
1: think so. It was about it was about <laughs> doing what's right, and that's um, it's uh, if 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 I feel it inside, there's nothing stop. There's nothing going to stop me, and this I just felt this so strongly. It just felt like such a brilliant idea. To have the American people carry a baton continuously from LA to Boston, three thousand three hundred miles, and then to actually be connecting, passing that baton to each other, sharing a hug, sharing a high five, and and but but and, and, and you know, as much of all of that is breaking down these communities because i mean, you know we especially right now we all know what's going to happening in America, but you know, the, this baton handover was a brilliant way to have one community pass to another community and and to share a mo just one moment like it could just be five seconds but you've shared something with that community and then that um changes the way you th- you think of uh each other really um and we had we had yeah. we had grand aims you know we we, we hope we'd get a runner on every stage and wouldn't have to run much of it ourselves so that would have been 330 runners and we thought if we can raise something like ten thousand pounds or something like this that'd be amazing because Obviously, these people have had their whole lives changed. They need their cars changed, their houses changed to, to, um, to deal with their um, new situations of amputations and everything. And, um, but then actually what transpires is that thousands of people signed up, and by the end of it, we'd raise six, $600,000 for the people affected by the bombings. And this is just the, the, the real beauty of this is it was just two people sitting in a kitchen in Devon, miles away from a- anywhere, Tiny little idea. Didn't know any. Never been to America. Didn't know anyone in America. And you, you come up with a t- the tiniest idea. Really, it was a tiny idea, and the American people t- turned it into a large idea. And um, all all of this kind of amazing beauty just came from having that courage to take that first step. It's it's, it's it's a bit just like it's just like your morning run when you're feeling a bit grumpy and can't be bothered. The first step is the hardest, and then the rest is just an absolute joy. And this is. I can't do, get how These
0: yeah. work. do you have any principles for your morning run for those days when you really can't be bothered do you have any rules to yourself to get yourself to action you don't look like you suffer from this very often
1: um no i i don't the thing is i i am not I, I tried to have a coach once and and when that said um when they were saying go out and do this in the morning god that was so hard i i um then then i'm like no i'm not gonna do it and i'm arguing with the person in my own head uh, but I'm very, very free, and I just like if I want to train, I go and train, and that generally happens at some point in the day. And it, I, I'm just not, I'm very, a very unstructured person. I know you were very surprised that I was actually here on time. So, uh, likewise myself, <laughs>
0: so was I. Luckily, <laughs> was I was just perfect.
1: ready for a podcast as as the, the time came up, and that's how I'm here.
0: <laughs> perfect. So you have this idea. I can imagine you're like, oh, this sitting around in your in your kitchen in Devon, chatting way you put it out into the world. And did you get an instant, with the first day, did you get an instant flood of people signing up that validated you thinking, yes, this is a good idea? Absolutely not. <laughs> Absolutely not. There was It was tumbleweed. <laughs> it was Midwest tumbleweed all the way. And um, who was the first to sign up then?
1: Um, oh, goodness. My brain's going blank here. Should uh, I tell you? Yeah, tell me, tell me.
0: Ian Russell was the first Ian Russell, to sign up Ian Russell, that after, makes so after makes three days.
1: Yeah, after three days, I and mean, we we'd been because because me and Kate are sitting there in the in the kitchen trying to find anyone. We're phoning up these um kind of a Walmart or whatever, and just like, uh, do any of your staff run? And it's like the strangest question to be asked. <laughs> but um, and you know, not like put people putting the phone down on you and this sort of stuff. Uh, but Ian Ian signed up after three days, and that was the start of uh. The snowball effect and it just seemed that everyone that signed up starting with ian was saying i'm I'm here to help in any way uh, i can and for us guys the best way to help was to go and recruit more runners so um he started spreading the word and then another person signs up and then you've got a team of two doing all the marketing for you and then they they both recruit another two people and then you've got a team of six and um and then that just grew and grew and grew until we had hundreds of people all over the states all sharing it, all recruiting people, kind of approaching people in the street and just badgering them until they they signed up to take part. And it was it was um because of that, it was absolutely phenomenal because it wasn't really based on it. Us guys were the were the the point where it started, but um yeah that it was the it was the whole rather than the individual. And that that for me is always the most romantic,
0: awesome thing to be involved in. That um first person. Committing to join you is great, important, isn't it? You must, I'm sure you've seen that video of the some festival outdoors, the crazy guy dancing on the hill. That's you, the crazy guy dancing on the hill. But the the interesting part of that film is the first idiot, the Ian Russell, who comes to join the crazy guy dancing on the hill, isn't it? Absolutely. And it takes it because like
1: someone like me is quite happy to be the crazy guy dancing on the hill, but the person to join that person is the bravest of them all, the person with all the should deserves all the credit and should be in all the newspaper cuttings and all that sort of stuff because they're the one that have just taken this leap. It might not be their natural go to, but they've uh, they've just they've just given it a go and uh, and they're the person that start and then you know before you know it you've got hundreds around you all doing this stupid dance.
0: <laughs> yeah, you I mean you clearly you love doing group things and community things and the power of community. Um, so that then makes me interested why. Did you decide to cycle to India on your own?
1: Yeah, really good question, actually. Um, I haven't actually asked myself that, so, so I'll have a little thing. The, <laughs> Lack of thing, friends. The, yeah, yeah, probably that. I mean, the, the thing that <laughs> actually, really, really the true reason, and, I, and I'm sure you've um, you've experienced this before in in the past life, of like, I graduated with a maths degree, went into corporate finance, and I, 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 my aim was to work for a year, and I and I'm a pretty tough character, and I'm, I managed nine months uh, in this corporate finance, crying at my desk, crying on the way to work, crying in the toilet because it's it's that whole thing of at twenty year, twenty one years old, you've got at least probably fifty years of this before you could even retire. I'm thinking, well, that's two and a half times how long I've lived so far, and and I'm going to be doing this, and and it just it just it broke me really. And uh, anyway, nine months I went traveling. I'd come back. I'd work for a bit. I'd went traveling again, because, and that traveling was my release. And it, but that, but that, the, the traveling didn't really, you know, getting drunk on the Kiwi experience, the, uh, the shag bus or whatever they call it was. It, that's, that's not quite what I was after. It's not the experience I was after. And uh, deep down, I'd, I'd, I'd said when I was 11 years old, that I wanted to cycle around the world and raise money for charity and, um, a kind of an end of school assembly before we went to senior school. And even though i didn't remember that i think that um that idea was still somewhere hidden in your kind of reptilian brain or wherever wherever these things get hidden and um and i just it just i, I suddenly was inspired and decided i was going to cycle out to to southern india and i don't know what, it was is it strange because even on all these all these traveling trips i wouldn't have done it with anyone else i always wanted to go on my own so it, which is so strange because even as a kid, I, I just couldn't bear being on my own. I, I always had to have a friend with me, but this felt so important to do it on your own. And and, and and in and in doing that, I learned so you know six months worth of meditation, sitting on a bike in silence, just with you. That blooming tumbleweed that always seems to be following me around,
0: and um, yeah. and you're right. I when I set off on my big bike trip, I planned all sorts of philosophical. Dreaming, but I remember so clearly about twenty minutes into the ride from my mum and dad's house, thinking, oh, I've run out of things to think about." <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you, then, you, and then you're forced into the the parts of your brain maybe you didn't always want to go
0: into. So, yeah. what was um, what was harder about that trip than you'd imagined? I mean, to be quite honest,
1: I I think. You, you. There's lots of people going off and doing these sorts of adventures, um, inspired by people like yourself, and, um, and and not everyone is made for it. Really, I, I, I I'm. A, I, people will ask about, uh, do you, do you think that's what everyone should be doing? It's like well, we, we, we only should be doing what we we feel is right, not what Al or Dan is saying you should be going and to do. Like maybe this suited me, but but the, it really did. I, I, there was very few moments when I was down or grumpy or cross there was i had i had really bad diarrhea in the desert no toilet roll and there were sandstorms and the sand was getting everywhere and then you that's probably happy you know you're you going to the loo about 10 times a day whatever i mean maybe more i can't even remember but and then you're getting back onto the saddle with basically sandpaper in your pants it's just that that <laughs> and and the wind against me at that point i think i was going at something like seven kilometers an hour or mm-hmm. something and the, i had a, a moment where i threw my bike on the floor at that point but i i manned up and <laughs>
0: Uh, and okay. carried on. <laughs> so, so how how did that experience, the sort of physical experience of a long grinding cycle across Asia, how did that co- compare to uh, the SAS selection TV show you went on? Um, so I mean, I for know, example, maybe. was was that TV show as hard as it looks, or is it all was TV just all oh. smoke smoke and mirrors and exaggeration? No. It was absolute. So, so the, the, the cycle
1: ride was a pleasure. I, I loved every moment of it. And, and 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 we're talking about that kind of being on your own. The, the, the beauty of being on your own. Sorry, I'm going back a little bit, but That's we okay. uh, you're continuously meeting people, and when you're on your own, you don't have to think about anyone else's mindset. So if someone says, oh, or, you know, even even can't even speak any English and just gestures for you to follow them, I just followed and just was. Um, Going along with everything, so that 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 allows for a much more fuller experience, I think, than when you've got shared with someone. And I'm, you know, say it was me and you together, and I'm wondering like, well, what does is Al just wanting some time alone in his tent? Or and and then by the time you've had a little think in your head, the the moment's over.
0: So, um, but anyway, yeah, Yeah, there's a lot lot of lot of power. I I think I think if you can make yourself be brave enough, it's great to go do some sort of adventure by yourself at some point, isn't it? It absolutely is. Really you you find out new things about yourself, you
1: find out new things about the world, the the beauty of humanity and how kind the general public are to, you know, a smelly, beardy, stinky thing that just kinda of rolls in on this bicycle. It's absolutely Wayne, The Wayne
0: Rooney look alike. Wayne Rooney looking
1: like I mean, and now I've shaved my head and my beard's a little bit shorter. It's it's even more, it's even more noticeable looking at this kind of camera in front of me right now. <laughs> um, but no. yes, yes, it wasn't because I'd been cycling. I, I was kind of quite a competitive cyclist beforehand, so this cycling was just it's what I'd done before. I'd kind of on a Saturday or a Sunday, I'd do a six-hour ride and then do another six-hour ride the next day with my pals, and that was what we did for fun. So okay. then we're kind of setting off, it wasn't it, that was no problem. But SAS. Uh, Tell, uh, so just explain was the show. Ultimate Hell Week, yeah. Ultimate Hell show? Week. It was Ultimate Hell Week on BBC on the BBC, and the idea was they get six special forces units leaders in from around the world. There's 30 people from the toughest and fittest in the UK. I'm I'm putting that in inverted commas, and uh, and the idea was that these special forces leaders were to break us mentally, physically, or emotionally. That was that was that was their brief and it was going to be filmed and um you know you were going to be abjectly humiliated in front of the whole nation and uh, but um, but it it was it was so hard it was unbelievable the um what you see on the telly is i would say at the very most is 10% of what we went through because because the, the sas guys were around us all the time and initially that you could see in their eyes the loathing that they felt towards us like these civilians that think they could do the SAS thing. And it, I, I mean, that was a, the wrong thing to think anyway. We're just there for a cool experience really. And, um, and, and so every time that the, like when we were in special forces, whether we were with the Israeli or whatever, as soon as they stopped beasting us, the SAS stepped up and they just absolutely made it 10 times worse. There was, there was no night we weren't made to going kind to of get up a, a load of times throughout the night to, Pour water on our heads, then do a hundred burpees, then go to bed, then be woken up again, just march round, shout at that, sent back to bed again, and all this sort of stuff and you that side of things was e much harder than the um the physical side of things in fact you have, you have to do the physical sides on top of the fact that your brain's all mashed up inside because you don't even know what day it is or where you are or um but I guess that's the whole point in it is because that the, we had what well, the, the first night we they kind of chuck these smoke grenades into the tent. And there's people letting off, um, you know, ammunition that's probably not live. And, but it, you know, your senses are just like <laughs> going crazy. And then they're making you do fitness, crawling along the floor, doing, I don't know, about a thousand push ups that night we did. It was absolutely ridiculous. They, they love ups. I mean, basically if you can do good pushups, you're, 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 you're basically, get the push, SAS. you can get in the SAS. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> Um, and yeah. so, but you you're really disoriented. I remember the camera coming up to me. It was the first time the camera had kind of got really in my face since we'd been um been on the show and it said, How are you doing, Dan? I was like, I'm feeling a little bit emotional <laughs> like this. This was my first kind of piece to camera telling the people at home uh, a bit about my personality. But
0: yeah. That must have been, I imagine, what served you very well in that beyond your push-up skills is just your relentless positivity.
1: Yeah, absolutely. The, the, the five people left at the end were absolutely the five people who were not on the show to prove anything to themselves or to their fathers or to their friends. It was the five people who had come onto the show just to have an experience and that shined through one hundred percent there were just we were just enjoying it it's like, what, what a total this is how I was feeling actually inside it was just what a privilege to be trained by six special forces units. I mean, there's probably no one in the world, other than those five, who who lasted the whole kind of distance that have had that experience. And like, who would who who would turn that down? Mm. I, I would have paid for that experience. So, um, yeah, it's a, it's a strange one. But, but you know, the people that had turned up to prove something were gone. It is it, it was it was so obvious who those people were, and then it was so. It was so fast they were going because it was the first night was brutal the second day was really really hard and um you could just see people were i mean they were just dropping like flies basically
0: (laughs) you you did you said you went on it for experience but also you well at least on your website you'd put that i hoped the show would catapult everything i was doing into stardom yeah did it Uh, no no, not at all. <laughs> not at
1: all. <laughs> anything changed? I got a few tweets of people saying, "Go on, Dan, on the night of the uh, mm. of the night of the thing," but it didn't really change anything. It, I mean, I think it legitimizes everything. You've you've been on a t- BBC TV show, so it, maybe it changed. May, maybe more to the point is it changed something inside of me where I, I it legitimised myself, and I felt well, yes, I can ask for this, or I can, um, you know, attempt to do these sorts of things. But um, I kind of kind of had these ideas that it would. I was I was running Project Awesome, which is a free fitness camp, um, free fitness camp that is all over the UK or in a few places across the UK, and obviously there were my relays and a few other things I was involved. I in. thought, so, wow, this is, these are going to be huge afterwards. But no, it, it's uh, yeah, yeah. it was a really amazing experience, absolutely amazing experience. And and you know the the, the best thing that I got out of that is the friends that are, are that are from the show. Going through that experience together, you 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 know you meet up, you see people in the pub, and they're they're from the army, and they are bonded so tightly. And you're kind of like, it's it's almost a little bit, little bit strange how tight they are. But that's how we were at the end of this. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, to a certain extent, because we've been through so much together. And no 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 one, I can't I can't explain it to the listeners to yourself what an experience that was. But um, when when I sit with those guys, they know what it was. So there's just some uh, deeper level of understanding at that point.
0: Which I always regard as the sad aspect of doing a long journey, like cycling it to India, with yourself, rather than doing it with your mate, Bob. Absolutely. No, afterwards, no one understands forever. N- never, and, and I, I, I don't, I've done
1: one, you've done one. We can't understand each other's experiences. They're just so, so different. And, and I agree. This is, and that's why I've started doing adventures with, you know, general public, and um, that is just just so that you can share this forever. And i, mm-hmm. I, I was like, I, I just can't even be bothered to talk about what's happened in on that India trip because it's so it's it's just my experience. And so when people are asking you about it, I'll give a very short answer and um, maybe give an anecdotal uh, experience or something that can kind of tide them over, but. I've probably never spoken
0: to anyone really, really openly about that trip and everything that happened along the way. Yeah, my my experience of my big bike trip, which is long, long ago now, in my head, often boils down to the 30 slides that I've been showing every week for 20 years and the 15 highly polished, now barely true <laughs> anecdotes <laughs> yes. that come out. Um, and I've got such a terrible memory in life that I'm very well aware that at some point, that whole trip will have gone because it won't even remain in my head anymore, and it's poof, it's gone. It's very ephemeral. It, it's that
1: is so true. I'm I'm exactly the same. The, the, the stories that I will tell people are the stories that I tell people when I'm giving talks, and yeah. uh, it, it, exactly that. That's basically the whole trip summed up in five minutes. <laughs> a yeah, couple of yeah. uh, a couple of comedy sketches about poo and maggots, and we're all done. Thank you very much. Good <laughs> <night>. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Well, I'll spare you talking about India to talk about now about Project Awesome, yep. finding the chinks of rainbow in the predominantly grey London, where getting badass fit is almost an accidental byproduct. So, what, what's your thirty second pitch of what Project Awesome is for those who don't know?
1: Uh, well, Project Awesome is a, a loud and colourful, radically inclusive uh, fitness community. We meet at six thirty in the morning. There's um, kind of chapters in London, Bristol, Edinburgh, Liverpool. And it, but it's, I mean, I, I set it up really coming back from America and having that amazing community that we uh, we grew out there through One Run for Boston. And I just thought, I, I want this at home. So I just, um, and I've been inspired by something called November Project, which is yeah, really big in the States. And I just thought, I want something like this to kind of support my um, emotions and physical health in, in the UK. And so set it up but the first day we we did a session there were uh, four other people i think and it just slowly grew and grew and you know we've had sessions where 6:30 in the morning outside Sadiq Khan's office and there's 200 of us jumping around chanting about rainbows and unicorns and pixie dust and and you know that's that's a bit like that kind of that thing we were talking about earlier where you the idiot jumping on jumping and chanting on the hill that's me and then everyone joins in. And then you've got this whole tribe doing it. It's such an amazing feeling. You've got the, the echo of these chants going, bouncing off all the city and coming back to you. And yes, you look like an absolute bunch of nutters, but it, inside it feels there's a real connection being made at that point. And that, that's just the kind of you know how we warm everyone up. And then uh, the fitness sessions are pretty hard, but they're really tailored so that um we have a, a great grandma comes along and we've got some elite athletes come along and they can all do it they can all push themselves to the very limit of what they are capable of and if you press pause at any time which it actually would be ringing the bell which means that uh, it's a dance break and so we'd all start dancing but you got press the pause button and you um you wouldn't you wouldn't know who was in the lead you wouldn't know the elite elite athletes were ahead of the grandma because potentially this kind of you know it's on a loop or it's uh repeated stations or whatever it is and um yeah it's it's, it's super super lovely and um i've ste- kind of stepped away from it in terms of the running of it but it it has such a draw it's so, it's just talking to you about it right now just makes me smile so much mm-hmm. we, we, we and it's not and it, it like it's like like i was saying it's not in what you're reading out it's, it's not about the fitness side of it it's all about community and the, when we go for coffee afterwards that's when the real magic happens because we're all a little bit high on endorphins and uh just be, this is before work you've already done a fitness workout you've had a few hugs from your mates and then you're sitting in a coffee shop you're opening up about your dreams your desires your the things that are going on in your life and and that is where the real magic happens and and, and so many amazing things have come out of it there's people that have kayaked down the Amazon. Paddleboarded down the Ganges, where they they found their partners in crime at uh, at Project Awesome, and that is just um, and 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 actually they pale into insignificance when you you hear about the people that have stopped taking mental health medicines, and their new prescription is Project Awesome Monday, Wednesday, Friday, which um, you know those sorts of those sorts of things just oh they
0: make my heart feel just so warm and lovely. What um, a great thing for GPs to start prescribing. I prescribe well, you a course of Project Awesome three times a week. Wouldn't that
1: be brilliant? I mean and I think they I think GPs are doing that now with uh, Parkrun, which is wow, just absolutely brilliant. I love I, I oh, actually right. I love Parkrun and uh Paul Simpson Hewitt who who set it up is someone I go to when I'm I'm after advice and
0: Mm, things like that. I'm interviewing him um, in this series shortly. So I'm really looking forward to that chat. Oh,
1: oh, I wish I was Um, on that chat. That would be great. Well, (laughs) maybe I'll
0: get you in as a guest because actually it's really interesting because you're both doing similar things, I suppose. You're getting people outdoors and community and fitness and things. But he has a definite absence of hugs and uh, unicorns and rainbows in his approach, which I have to say, I'd say I'm not much of a hugger or a rainbow guy, so I, I've loved watching Project Awesome from afar, but I I struggle with the hugs. Yeah, yeah. But, but, <laughs> but a hug,
1: but a hug ch- changes you, I think. When when mm. you can accept it, it's 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 it's, it's that vulnerability. And then, uh, when we were off air, we were talking about my beard being this kind of thing that kept people at, at a distance. You know, that was the thing that they looked at rather than looking at me, and that and um, that's quite an honest thing to say, I think there. And um, but and when you give a hug, you are very much opening yourself up to that person, and um, that is quite an you know being able to give a good hug and receive a good hug, actually is a skill, an, an
0: emotional skill, I think. So, yeah, very much so. Yeah, no, I think I think that's definitely a a good thing for me to work on in life. Is the yeah. uh, but can can I leave can I leave away from the little red shorts?
1: <laughs> i don't know mate you really should be getting them on as well you're going to look great in them
0: <laughs> yeah. tell me about the music video you made briefly yeah yeah i mean that's that, that's just the beauty that
1: was the beauty of project awesome it just was it be, it became a, a lifestyle rather than a fitness community or anything like this and and it became a place where i'd experiment with my inner dreams and uh so, so if there was a band i wanted to listen to i'd bring them down to project awesome or if there was uh you know, if, if I was thinking about setting up a, a publishing house and all this sort of stuff, because there's so many people with great stories, let's just start doing this. And and something that you know, is, is, has been way above my station forever and always would be releasing a single and um, making a music video about it. And I was like, well, here's the community to do it with. And we booked a recording studio. In fact, someone um uh, kind of, you know, if, this is the great thing with it. People donate, Everything to Project Awesome because it's free and it's changed changes their lives, and so they then feel that they want to give back to it in in a in a different way other than financially. And so we got a um, we got a recording studio and a, a a kind of film studio, and we went in there, recorded a a music, uh, we, we we recorded a song, and then we went into the studio and we recorded the just the coolest. It was so fun. There were like massive pillow fights with feathers and paint fights and just regular dancing and just being absolute idiots when it's a it, fantastic video it is really really it's amazing really it, it shocked yeah.
0: me every time i watch it <laughs> and then it was actually so good uh, yeah, well, that, that'd be a good thing to look back on when you're an old man oh absolutely absolutely and if you embarrass embarrassed <laughs> the nieces and nephews or whatever else Yeah, so I've I haven't been a project awesome man. I apologise, but I did briefly join and very much loved your London relay, which was uh, well. What what what's what's the brief explanation of the relay? Because that was I really really enjoyed doing my leg of that.
1: Yeah, the relay is well. Actually, I was having a conversation. It's it's led on obviously from one run for Boston. We've got this experience of long distance running, and I was speaking with um, Sadiq Khan's team um, in City Hall. About the gang culture that's going was going on. Um, this is probably three years ago, and it was it got pretty heavy. For I mean, it was definitely in the news a lot. I'm sure it hasn't really changed, but um, it was in the news a lot. And they were talking about how we can kind of bring people together not not just gang members, but just the general the the general population of London bring us all together. And I, I was explaining what had happened with the relay in America and how that had kind of broken down these barriers between different types of people. And they're like, Can you, could you do one of these in, in London? And I uh, had a little ponder, had a few ideas, and we ended up uh, attempting to break the world record for the longest continuous running relay ever around the streets of London. So and that, that required us to run 24 hours a day, seven days a week uh, for the whole month of July. And we set off at the beginning with Daley Thompson, who uh, he's, he is a little bit controversial sometimes, but um, he's a childhood hero of me, of mine. And mine. And, and yours. And yeah. Daily Thompson's Decathlon on the ZX Spectrum. Oh, that was the best game. Get a little stock and like wiggle your finger between them. <laughs> yeah. Um, yes, exactly, exactly that. And that was amazing. And we ra- again, we raised a lot of money. We had great people like you involved. And um and, and again, it was just it was a- about bringing those people together. And we had CEOs, builders, we had refugees, gang members, homeless people. It was just this whole Array of London turned up because because if you go, if you go to a running race there's you know there's a predominant white middle class section to it whereas the the relay was just absolutely every type of person from all over London all coming together and that's that's what I just I just love that and I, that makes me so happy to see um, you know because I, I mean we're we're all we we all start as two cells and then we grow into these incredible trillion cell human beings and. We're, and 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 all so so similar, but we have our differences which
0: should be should be celebrated rather than um focused on yeah so why is the uh why is the standard bognor Regis 10k or the Derbyshire hill race all uh predominantly white middle class and the and you've managed to do something different with your relay what what's what's the barrier that's stopping these things being fully diverse?
1: I, I guess there's
0: uh, with with there's going there's always going to be
1: attitude and we set out to really really try and reach the furthest corners and that was one of our you know we put work into that which and it takes work because, what, what, because like, like what how do you reach how did you reach the well you're you're, in a, you're I was in a very fortunate position already that I, I had already got a, a, a moderate following that could and I I could ask ask people to go and so we had a guy who was um he was involved, you know, he's involved in Ramadan and he was going to uh, to prayers and he stood up at the end of prayers and was, and talked to everyone in that room, come and get involved in the relay. It's going to be great. It's going to change your life. And, and you know, maybe most people said, no, that sounds ridiculous, but one or two people would come and then they would talk to their friends about it. And, and the great thing about the relay is that it, it starts on the 1st of January and it ends at the end, uh, 1st of July and it ends at the end of July. So you, have these people turn up for the first event and they're like, wow, this is cool. It's been, been part of this kind of mixed community. And then they come back, um, come back later on. And I think, I think there's so, there's so much, um, information out there for why these, why these events are predominantly a white middle class. And, um, uh, you know, that's just comes from the history, the history of what humankind has been to each other. And, um, and I think it's, you just need to put a little bit of effort into, to change these things and it, and, and the, the, the London relay is an example of how that can be done if you if you do put a bit of effort in
0: oh it's a brilliant, it was a brilliant event um, so what what is the hardest barrier you face when you're launching all these massive community projects that you enjoy doing?
1: The, I think the hardest barriers for, for anyone ever is just yourself and your how you view yourself, what what you think you're capable of. And um, I'm in a fortunate position now, where I've kind of attempted lots of these. Obviously, like people have heard the, heard about the things that I've done. We've spoken about some of the more successful ones, but there's a there's a few others down the road that have just been absolutely useless and not no one's heard about. Uh, so, but what it, what have you tried that didn't get off the ground? Uh, well, I tried to get a thousand people to uh, live their dreams because cycling to India was uh, a dream of I'd had since I was 11 years old. I thought, well, I've done that and I've raised a lot of money by doing so. Let's see if we can get a, a thousand people to live their childhood dream. And in doing so, find a hundred people to sponsor them £10 for our one cause. And that that is a million pounds raised for charity at that point. And um, what I didn't uh, bank on with that is that lots of people don't actually know what their dream would be. And if I, like, say, I, I, we were talking to the general public and just saying, money is money is kind of no object what would what would you what would you be doing with your life and people kind of get in this rut of of living in that they they forget what those thoughts were and uh what they were thinking when they were childhood and you know the 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 process of just going to work potentially having drinks on a friday um maybe going out for a run on sunday that's um that's a cycle, and it's hard to see outside of that and that um that was one thing i didn't I didn't bank on with that and I, I you know obviously I was just kind of made, probably made the website myself, and it was probably a little bit I haven't got the skills of someone like Dave Cornthwaite to create my own websites this is a bit shabby and uh yeah. uh and so and someone's actually said to me and this is a really great lesson actually when when people are doing something like this they said you what you're saying to people is come come with me and come for a ride on my Ferrari because my website, it's a bit about the website being shoddy. And what you really want to do is turn up in your Ferrari and say, open the door and say, get in. And that is kind of go to people with something that look kind of polished, I guess is what they're saying, rather than asking them to have faith in who you are, that you will take them on a great journey.
0: It—it it, It's making them, it's doing the, that, it is that, but I think also from just what you said then, it's, rather than making them come all the way to your Ferrari, turning up at their front door so they can just get in and go, the making that first step of action is a really important one, isn't it? To make it so easy to start that then they can c- come along with you. Yeah, absolutely. And and, and and also, if you can just hold their hand for the
1: first step as well, uh, it's a bit like kind of jumping off a, a rock into the, the water. It's much easier if you've got someone else with you who's doing it with you. I, that's that's absolutely bonkers because that person isn't going to <laughs> do any good for you when you're mid air falling towards the water. But uh, for some reason, doing it as well. This I mean that goes back to that whole thing. Doing it together is just so much more powerful. Can uplift you to
0: to new levels of humanity, which I love. Speaking of jumping in the water, would you rather go for a run every day or jump into a river every day? Great question.
1: I really, I've just, like I've been up in the peak districts for two years about now, and I, lo- I just love going and jumping in cold. It has to be, re- the colder the water is, the bigger the buzz is afterwards. And I would, I, I love that as a one-off, but running, it, it's the thing th- th- that runs through my veins. There's no way I would choose anything over that. And the, um, the, the, the feelings I get when I'm out and I'm running across standing edge and leaping from stone to stone and stumbling and gaining your balance again and turning to the person next to you and just seeing that they're grinning in the same way as you that that feeling just
0: i i don't think that can be beaten by anything nice you're you're a big fan of the um f- winter woolly hat gloves break the ice type of swims as well aren't you
1: yeah That. i mean i was fortunate enough that that was this year that, i mean it doesn't happen that often that the uh, water's freeze over but uh, this year it froze over on my birthday so uh, we all went down and um, family and friends went down to the the one of the pools and we're smashing it with our fists with with uh, with woolly hats on with those kind of pointy um party hats on top and just kind of swimming around in this kind of ice-ridden lake, it was absolutely—I mean, just ab- the, the best way to celebrate your birthday, in my—in my, in oh, my that, eyes. But
0: some people probably yeah, disagree, but for me, I loved it. Yeah, that does, definitely sounds good to me. Okay, I'm on to some big questions now. What, what's the? Tell me about the art of making yogurt. Why don't you just buy it in Tesco's?
1: I don't know. If you, you know, when you, uh, I guess. So someone was talking about some Generation Z uh, quotes the other day, saying, uh, talking about our generation and saying they really seem to get very into growing one very small beetroot or something like this. And and I just, but but I guess I can, I absolutely agree. Having created your own yogurt is um, is such a nice feeling. Like I have it every every morning. I put all kind of, you know, all the goodness seeds and everything, and a whole dollop of honey to make it taste nice. And uh, that's like you know, one meal of my day. And I've actually made it myself. And I mean, to be honest, Alice, it's, it's not it's not very complex. You heat up the milk, you let it cool. You add some of your previously made yogurt, put it on the side to slowly kind of cool down in a kind of heat chamber.
0: And then it turns into yogurt.
1: It's, <laughs> there's um, not
0: much crafting going on there, to be honest. Okay, what about what about sour bread? When did you when did you get into that? That's yeah. something I always I see all these trendy pictures of people sour bread on Instagram. I think, oh, that looks nice, and then I can't be bothered to do it. Yeah, I, I, some, someone was
1: saying that um, everyone has got into it in lockdown, and I and it's the same as me. But I think it's just a coincidence because the lady down the road who's dogging it out every now and again, she would got some sour bread, sour dough. And she said, would you like some? And I was like, oh yeah, okay. Uh, I, I thought, well, I'll, I'll probably kill that within a very small period of time. But that again, it's very resilient and um, and you just have to feed it flour and water and then you fold it, fold it and get the air bubbles in and all that sort of stuff, which is, which is so strange because I'm a very disorganized person, like we were saying uh, right at the beginning of the, the podcast. And I, some, somehow I'm managing to make these things stay alive and I guess it's very much like you with your two kids. It's like, God, oh, wow! I'm actually He's managing to do. Still this. alive? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, still alive, doing great today. Yeah, you know, it's like yeah. celebration. You've got to look at the positive side of things. Like they're yeah. still alive. Let's celebrate it. Yeah. Um, but yes, it's, it's it's very nice. It's and it's cool to give them as gifts and things. You've put a little bit of there's a little bit of you in there. Ho- hopefully, not actually a little bit of you, but you never know. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. I guess for you, perhaps. Maybe I'm putting words in your mouth here. You seem like a fairly manic, hyperactive guy. Is the process of just slowly kneading some dough rather than just grabbing a slice of tote bread from the freezer part of the appeal? Maybe. Maybe
1: there's a, there's in the way that running can be a bit of a meditation, then folding that bread in is probably also a meditation. And um, it is interesting. I have got that manicness and I probably am, you know, I probably have a bit of hyperactivity in me, but I do like to just chill out and not do anything sometimes. Do you? I can never, ever, ever do that. Yeah, you're, you're very different I... to me, Out, actually. <clears throat> I can see that in you. You're so, I can just, every part of your life just feels, I mean, this is the way I see it looking in, is that you've got everything nailed. and I'm like, But you're doing so many things, whereas I am a zero, I'm binary, a binary human being. If I decide to do something, say like Project Awesome, I'm like, I gave my whole soul to that, If every moment of every day was project awesome at that point. And the same with the relays when, when they're happening, it just pulls me in and I am, I am one with the, with the relay. And, and I, and I think that's really great. And you know, I, I feel it, just having a conversation with you that I'm just like here, there's nothing else exists in my world outside of you right now. And that is something that I feel, um, I'm gone on a right old waffle, haven't I? But I feel that Fair you've enough, just right? got a bit more like ability to have that plate spinning, that plate spinning, that plate spinning, that plate spinning, and, and you're not gonna smash them. Whereas I feel like oh. if I have too many things spinning then But but I'm managing well, to spin well, you- the the sourdough and the yogurt, and they're not dead yet. So
0: <laughs> maybe I'm learning lessons along the way. <laughs> Well, you, you and I both know not to believe everything you see about someone's internet life, do we? But um, you, t- you said then, this reminded me of something I wanted to ask you. You said then you poured everything into Project Awesome. How do you then go about delegating it? it gets, it's moved on to other cities, you've stepped away from it. How do you delegate your baby? Because that is something I'm terrible at. Yeah. I And, and I don't think the answer's
1: very, a very beautiful one. I think it's, um, I probably was very, very close to a breakdown from it and okay. that, uh, I'd started to, I just, it just, it just, it just grew and grew and grew. And, and at some point it was, there was a moment where it was either I'm going to break or I've got to take a break. And, um, and, 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 and this is, but this, this is a great lesson for you Al, in that I, 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 I I spoke to my kind of nearest and dearest from Project Awesome and was like, this is what's going on. And they're like, well, that's cool. We'll take it on. That's it. That's all it takes. It's just you to have just a conversation. Ask. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, hopefully a li- lesson for listeners that aren't thinking about anything like Project Awesome, but they're just talking about something at work or you know something that's happening in the, in your own household in the, just, it, it's a really scary thing to ask for help. We, we, I don't know whether it's just as Brits or whether everyone suffers from this, but um but the art of asking for help is actually you know the guys were massively complimented that i'd i'd had that conversation with them it was a it was an honor to have that conversation with me and they even more of an honor to take project awesome forward and take it to new levels and new new levels of excitement it was what what a lesson that is but I, i i agree it's really really hard to Especially when it's your baby and you've poured so, many. it represents you, doesn't it? I, I guess a little bit. And then to have someone else manage it is a, is a risk. And but the, everyone that's put any any effort into Project Awesome since has just been an absolute hero, and it's still going on now. And the people, there's someone DJing when uh, on the Zoom on the Zoom fitness, and someone's leading the session, and the the, the kind of tribes are kind of bonding, and they're doing things together, and. This sort of thing. And I, I, I'm like, sometimes I just look back and I'm like, how? I can't believe it's still going because I, I was putting so much into it. And now, but lots of people have taken on that mantle now and they're, mm. they're, they're putting in
0: the, their efforts. And that's, it's just, it's just a joy to watch. That's brilliant. Um, that was a really nice answer. Thank mm-hmm. you, Danny. Now, one of my favorite parts of my podcast interviews has been my deck of cards. Right. You're looking anxious now. So <laughs> <I like. laughs> get, get out your wallet. No, my deck of cards on which I've written uh, questions. Oh, yes. I've seen these. Yeah, great. About oh, cool. the meaning of life. So unfortunately, because we're uh, on Zoom, uh, I'm, I'm in my shed. You are elsewhere. You're going to have to trust my dodgy hands. Yes. But can I ask you a few of these?
1: Yes, of course you can.
0: If you don't like any, just say pass and we'll do a different one. Great. Okay. Okay. If you could magically change one thing in your life, what would it be? Um, so this is one of the things I've been discussing in
1: um, in lockdown, and I I have actually realised I wouldn't change one thing in my life. I I just I love it so much. I love where I am. I love who I'm with, and it's just this massive acceptance. I, and it it was it's always been there, but it's become some For some reason, in lockdown, it's become even more powerful, and I am so content with who I am. I'm I'm like, I'm absolutely not perfect. Got wonky teeth, beady eyes. I'm losing my hair. You know, whatever it is, I'm still handsome. By the way, people don't. (laughs) Uh, Don't
0: (laughs) Don't worry. This is this is this is audio. It's a good medium for you. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) um
1: So, so, but, but, I wouldn't change that because that's who I am. That's how I've been born. And I mean, probably, I'm not. I'm not religious, but I guess it kind of has that a religious kind of idea to it. in that this is, this is how I was meant to be. And I can't be anything other than me. I can't try and be Al Humphrey's. And if I do, I'll be like a second rate Al Humphrey's. The only person I can be really good at is Danny Ben. And that's, um, what. that's what I'm doing. What age did you get that acceptance? I think, I think there were like sparks of it, even as a very young child, six or seven. And, that I was very much celebrating my own uniqueness. Um, wow! And then I think that probably really started to come in in my thirties. And I think that you know that's the same. How how many old people do you see doing things they don't want to do? Absolutely none. Because it's like, well, there's not, there's you know, there's less time, I guess, or whatever. So they're just kind of, I'll just do the things I want to do
0: and. There's that wonderful poem, isn't there, uh, Jenny Joseph? When I'm old, I'll wear purple, Um, and she just talks about all the things she can do when she's old. She doesn't care anymore. It's brilliant. Yeah, do you know that one? Yeah, I don't know if you know it, but I just
1: I love the kind of the concepts of it. And and then, but the thing, one of those things I've actually was um, toying with this with my TED TED talk was what living like a billionaire, and um, basically. I, I, I this first came into my into my brain probably 5 or 6 years ago. I was just like I I I'd always said when I'm a, when I'm a billionaire I'm going to uh, buy a wood turner and I'm going to start turning bowls. And mm. I suddenly I thought why well, don't I just start doing that now? And I started doing it and uh, just you know I've only done it a few times and everything but it's and it, I absolutely loved it. And I was just like wow I'm actually living like a billionaire right now. And then there was um, Fewer the I can't remember what the other things were, but just things you I'm putting yeah. off, things i really want to do that I'm putting off until I'm wealthy and can just be live a flippant life that is just about fun.
0: I was like, how oh, many? What? not I start doing that now? Yeah, I think that the thing of asking yourself what would I do if I'm a billionaire is such a brilliant liberating question because then you can then think, well, what version of that can I bring begin today?
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: Right, n- next question. Sorry, that one went on quite a long time, didn't it? That's okay. What won't you be able to do in ten years' time that you can do now? Which which probably links into the thing we were just talking about about being a billionaire and doing it now, isn't it? What won't you be able to do in ten years' time that you can do now? Well, you don't know
1: everything potentially. So when I was twenty-seven, I think it was, I fell off a cliff uh, cycling. I'm not yeah. We haven't got time for that story. We haven't got time for that. But um I did I did (laughs) fall off a cliff and um I could be dead. And at that point you can draw a line in your life and say, well, this is the line where I should have died. Every day now is a bonus. Let's go. And you just don't know what's going I don't I don't I'm not totally wild, but we'll do a bit of rock climbing and cycling and all those sorts of things that have an inherent danger to them. And if if this weekend something happens, then I can't there's nothing else I can't I can't you know what you, you know what the things you can't do you can't hug your children and you can't tell your wife you love her and you can't um live the live the life that you you know live with full passion so that we should be doing those now just in case I, I think yeah
0: absolutely especially the hugging thank you now, especially the hugging I'm getting better at that <laughs> <I'm> getting much <laughs> I'm getting much better at that <laughs> ready yeah Stop. Oh, I really like this one. All oh, great. Come on in. If you wait, well, it's, it's it's not a deep and meaningful one though. Uh, if you had one extra hour every day, all to yourself, how would you spend it? Oh, that is a really good question.
1: Um, I guess. Well, I don't want to kind of bang on about the same things, but I just carry on doing what I'm doing. Probably do a little bit more dough making, a little bit more make <laughs> a bit more yogurt. Um, Maybe maybe that extra hour would facilitate things like meditation, which I really should be doing, which I don't. I, I I try and do it just to get a little bit of quiet in the life and to have some kind of reflection time and things like this. And maybe that's what I'd spend that hour on—is all of those things. I, I love the idea. I think I think you're a fan of this. At least I, I think I've heard this. Where you, where you get up in the morning and you write, you start writing. Have you have you done that before?
0: Yeah, I've done that. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just a think few minutes it. of that.
1: Yeah, a few minutes, just like brain dump yeah. anything that's in your head, get it out of your head and then so you can start the day fresh. That would be, that would be great. And quite often I wake up and I'm, um, I'm kind of like, oh, right, I'm, I'm you know, excited for life rather than let's just chill and have a moment. use that for that.
0: Yeah. Like. Okay, next question. Oh, this is a good one for Cheerful Danny. Uh, tell me the story of something you regret I think there's only one thing that I regret in
1: life. Obviously there's a few things, you know, where you've just acted like an idiot, but um, when I, I watched, this is actually really uh, uh, relevant because I was watching on Sunday, my, <clears throat> my niece was doing a Zoom competition for her dancers. She uh, choreographed her own dance was, and she's 11 and she was competing against all these kind of 16 year olds or whatever, but, and I, and I was watching, I was watching the, the other children and feeling really emotional because that, I just think dance is so powerful. And then my niece was doing it and I was filming her and I, there's, there's me kind of going, sniffling in the background because it was just so emotional. And, and I, I went to see my little sister, I guess she was probably like five years old and I was nine or something like this. And we, um, we were sitting watching my sister do her dance and then the older kids did their dance in that show. And uh, I cried all the way through it. And mom and dad are kind of looking sideways at me like, Oh, right. Okay. And so they put me, I started doing uh, modern ballet, and I, and I loved it, but then they tried to make me do exams. We have to do, you know, we basically it's like when I say we have a coach, you're like you have to do this and you have to do that. And I didn't like it, and I quit. And I and I really regret that because I think dance is um, are such a powerful medium of all the good things, like art and physicality, all together with all the things that I don't have because I'm a runner, like flexibility and all those sorts of things. But um, I would say. I wish I hadn't been put in for those exams and I'd carried on doing modern ballet. That would have been amazing. Mm-hmm. Not least because it was me and 40 girls at that age and that was quite cool.
0: <laughs> oh man, yeah, jeez. you got the, the ballet dancing, big muscles and lots of girls. Yeah. That's the story of your life anyway, Danny. <laughs> oh God, well, I'll, I'll do a... now. I'll <laughs> <laughs> uh, do a couple more. Um... Stop. <laughs> okay, you've got you to gotta give me some advice here. Stick um, or twist. Oh no, hang on, I'm I'm asked, are you about to launch into some advice. I haven't told you what I want advice on yet. <laughs> oh, sorry. You're about to tell me that you're about to tell me that my hairstyle sucks and this t shirt needs an iron. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Go on then. Do you want to launch into it? Oh, <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. No. I, I read that? out the question? Yeah, yeah. I'll give you i give you some
1: advice afterwards. I'll give I'll give I'll give my little piece of advice that I like to tell everyone.
0: Okay, well, I'll tell you what, we'll, we'll answer this one, then you can give me advice to the world and we'll wrap up there. That's okay, S- stick or twist? In general, my life is comfortable and happy, so should I risk a new challenge and make big changes or not? I guess there needs to be... Um, I mean, if, if your life is
1: comfortable and happy and actually you mean it, then... That's quite a cool thing to have. But it depends what this, this big change is all about. And if it's, I, I'm, I've, got a, I've got a comfortable job and I've got a family and I'm doing amazing things in life and I'm enjoying what I'm doing outside of it. And But Dan and Al have been on a, a cycle ride around the world and I, I should do that because I haven't done that yet in life. That sounds like a complete load of idiocy to me. But if, um, <clears throat> if there's this deep burning desire to do that, Within you that um, that's been there for a, a, a while, then I would then I would go yes, you should you should do it, but um, yes, I, I mean I, change is always good no matter what happens. Attempting something slightly out of your comfort zone teaches you all the lessons. You know, there's that kind of you know the old kind of line that is if you, you only learn when you fail, and you don't fail unless you you try things that are big.
0: That's very wise very wise I've, I've, i yeah i've I've generally found actually that when things are going quite comfortable and I force myself to change then they usually actually they've always got for the better it's always been a good thing when I've dared myself to make a change yeah
1: and, and the other thing is about changes is it's, it's not it's not reversible so try it and and the, the generally the the other life is still available to you at the, at the next junction and You can make a choice at that point whether that that
0: is the one you want or whether this is a a better one yeah that's very wise so is that the advice you were going to give me or are you now going to give me the advice is that it or is it coming no my advice is the thing that um the the, the thing that's actually been the foundation
1: of everything when when i was coming coming home from school with the red pen on my book uh, from the teachers just kind of i'm dyslexic and they were um uh, it would just be red pen all over my books and I'd be getting in trouble because I was a little bit hyperactive. And I'd go home and tell my dad and be upset Like this is what the other kids are getting. This is what they're doing. This is what I'm doing. And he just said to me, then uh, don't worry about what anyone else is doing. Just be the best version of yourself. And I think it kind of sums up this whole podcast that, you know, be being you and being you as hard as you can be, because that, that you is, is the only you you can be really. And, and it's, and it's the very best version of you.
0: Brilliant. Well, that is the perfect place for us to wrap up. So Danny, thank you so much for giving me all your time and wisdom and enthusiasm. It's been an absolute delight. Thank you. Oh, thanks for having me on, Now It's been a pleasure. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Living Adventurously. If you did, please do rate and review the series on your podcast app. It really helps please also take a quick screenshot right now and send it to any of your friends who might appreciate listening. There are dozens of episodes for them to dip into. And if you enjoy mulling over the questions on my deck of cards, you can now try them out yourself. I've put them all into a notebook for living adventurously, which you can buy on my website. And whilst you're there, why not sign up for one of my three email newsletters or two other podcast series? Okay. Enough of the sales talk. Thank you very, very much indeed for listening to Living Adventurously. I hope you'll come again soon.